back to Talking Rugby. We've got back-to-back -back matches and we're back in business. Matt, how are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. There's so much rugby going on and, yeah, happy days. We're not bored anymore and some even better fantastic news is that we've got the potential of fans being back at Premiership Rugby. They were back in the Pro 14 last night for Edinburgh Glasgow. It looked quite odd seeing people, I must admit, but they were all socially distanced and it looks like Harlequins versus Bath in just a matter of days on the 5th of September could see up to 3,500 fans with a maximum of six people between two households sitting together, we think. It's subject to final approval, but Matt, this is such a step in the right direction. Yeah, it's a step that we need, rugby needs, because of the, the whole financial implications and all that. And one more step closer to having every ground or more games of rugby with fans played. And it, it just makes it, I guess, we, there's a bit more light at the end of the tunnel. Exactly. And it, it what they're proposing sort of makes sense. It's home fans only, which mm. is safer, obviously, because you're not getting... Um, more people using public transport and things like that and we believe it's a ballot open to season ticket holders and i think i'm correct correct in saying that if you kept your season ticket money you and you're chosen in the ballot you have to pay but if you donated your season ticket money to the club and you're chosen you don't have to pay i believe but that's sort of the intricacies of it the main thing is that we could see fans and that's absolutely fantastic but we've had some games without fans. It's been, I think, slightly weird is only the way to describe it. Since <laughs> we last spoke, we've had two rounds of rugby in a week. It seems rather bizarre. But midweek matches, should they continue when normality resumes? It's it's a really hard point. I think rugby would be wrong not to try it with fans in, say, Six Nations periods because they're going to get a bit more attention, aren't they? With obviously internationals taking centre stage uh, either weekend. I just I think they've got to be really careful with how they do it because it will annoy the traditional fans that turn up on Saturday three o'clock uh, every week at their club. Um, to to get that right, I think they need to do the, the classic quarter to eight kickoff. Obviously, people need to travel home from work. I think it will happen. I think they'll try it. Whether it'll work, I'm not sure many people will be happy about it in terms of the traditional core rugby group. But I suppose if rugby wants to branch out, they've got to attract a different, well, a different group of people, I suppose. I think, like you said, I think it will work sort of international year when we've got the Six Nations mm. up there. That could work because, yes, everybody watches the Six Nations and nobody really you know, their focus is on international, not the Prem. So that could work, having, you know, a couple of Monday, Tuesday night games. But like you say there, people are at work, hopefully within the next 12 to 18 months, a new normal will come and people will be, more people will be going back to work. So it, it becomes harder because the weekend, historically, regardless of rugby, sort of sport in general, the weekend is for sport and it's for those, you know, it's a leisure activity for people who aren't working weekends to enjoy and us lot of working weekends to give you something to enjoy so I think that aspect's slightly bizarre but like you say it could attract a new group of people but I, I couldn't I really couldn't see King's Home being sold out on a Tuesday no. evening at five o'clock 
No, I don't think there's any real point of doing it um, outside of international windows either because what, what, what are they trying to achieve? Because obviously players will still need their six, seven-day rest between games. Um, the period at the minute is unique and will only happen because of this pandemic. Um, yeah, they won't, they won't sell out uh, grounds at five o'clock. You'd have to go into later into the evening if you were to do it at all. Definitely, I think so. It's just, I mean, it's good for now, but I don't think it's good for for, no. for the rest of time. But round 15 happened. Um, not too many surprises. Exeter were very good. Sale were very poor. Bristol were outstanding. Gloucester were quite poor. Northampton were good. Irish were poor. Wasps were good. Worcester were poor. Saracens were good. Quinns were poor. Bath was good. Leicester were poor. Pretty much run, sums up round 15. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It kind of went as expected as well. I think uh, maybe apart from say Exeter, perhaps we expected that to be a little bit closer than it was. Um, Sale did actually have a big lead in that match uh, in the first half. I thought they'd push on, but Exeter, well, they did their stuff and came back, didn't they? Exeter do what Exeter do best. They were very good, and Sale just completely missed the mark. I think, and I think it was interesting given Steve Diamond making a lot of fuss in the week about reset scrums and la 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 and there was a lot of fuss and then you go get quite a few points put on you at home against Exeter you know that they can't complain on that you know nothing went wrong for them that weekend except they weren't good enough but let's look at the Saturday Leicester Bath game Matt it wasn't a pretty sight for Leicester really no, um, it was men against boys, as the team sheet kind of suggested. It was interesting that Bath kind of they dipped a little bit when they had the uh, when subs came on. Uh, they kind of got that bonus point try and then eased off, and then obviously Leicester, their youngsters dug deep and got the two tries at the end. But really, it was probably Bath's um, an easy day for Bath to get that bonus point. Did Leicester get much out of it? other than the fact that rested their internationals, probably not, because even the youngsters, they need experienced guys around them to kind of gain something, I, I suspect, anyway. No, exactly. A quickly touching upon the Worcester game, there is a particular name on the team sheet that I think is going to stand out, and I watched this player make his debut for the under twenty England under-20 squad, Alfie Burnaby. He scored on his debut against Worcester, that boy's got a very bright future as a hooker. He could potentially be seen in some England squads in eight years' time. Yeah, I think it's somebody that, that Wasps really need, um, a, a star player coming through coming through the ranks, because in the, particularly in the forwards as well, because that's where they are, well, probably a, bit, a little bit weaker uh, compared to the backs, at least. Definitely. But let's move on to... Week 16, and for Wasps, they kicked us off on Tuesday night. Sounds very weird. Um, their performance went from good to pretty average, as Sale redeemed themselves with a pretty good winner at the Rito. Yeah, I think average is probably a little bit, <laughs> bit kind. <laughs> it's a bit nice. Yeah, um, they really struggled in that match. I was quite surprised. I think, was it Wasps that went almost full strength and Sale mm-hmm. had rested or half-rested? Um but yeah, Wasps couldn't get in, couldn't get a foothold into the game. And every little move they did in the backs ended up into 
ended up going wrong. I think it improved slightly. Was it when Umaga went off? Uh, he probably didn't have uh, one of his best games. Maybe that was one of the one of the big factors in that defeat. Definitely. Uh, but the game on Tuesday night to watch was Exeter versus mm. Bristol. 25-22 to the visitors. Exeter proving that they are in the top spot. That was a fantastic match. Um, right from the start, there were some big hits going in. The intensity was up there. Bristol obviously wanted to to bring it, to, as in put a marker down for probably probably later in the season. Um, but Exeter, it wasn't their strongest squad either, and it just shows that Exeter have this um, way of playing the game that any youngster or a guy from the academy, guy from the development squad, can come in and play the same style as the the leaders play, and that's probably why one of the reasons why they're so strong. Now, I I put a tweet out about this um, during the game. Let's <clears throat> look at Bristol Exeter. These two clubs, a handful of seasons ago, were fighting it out in the Championship for promotion into the Premiership. They are now both fighting at the top of the Premiership for the title. And I honestly cannot think of a better cl- two clubs to say, look what we can do from the Championship into the Premiership. If there is ever a need to prove why the Championship is so important to the Premiership, look at Bristol and look at Exeter. They have done wonders. Yeah, it's a, it's a real... Um, well, it shows the progression that they've made over the last decade or so. Uh, obviously, Bristol were around before that, but in terms of Exeter coming up... That wouldn't have happened without with the ring fencing, um, you could argue. And that's probably, like you say, the biggest sort of plus point for relegation promotion because it shows it does work. It does have... It, it, the, the clubs in the championship can actually come up and challenge the premiership teams and be successful. Now, let's look at a team that's going down to the championship next season. Saracens, they face... Gloucester, they won 36-20. It was a very good performance from Saracens and pretty poor from Gloucester. One thing I want to touch upon with the Saracens game, and I don't know whether you feel the same, Matt, is they played a lot of youngsters or a lot of players that haven't had much game time before. Now, this squad, far Elliot Daly probably, will be seeing a lot in the Championship because we know that they're not going to be playing Owen Farrell every week. And to be honest, if these boys <clears throat> can do what they did against Gloucester, the Good championship luck. I mean, come on, they're gonna be fantastic in the championship. But what an opportunity for these youngsters who have gone, okay, yeah, we can prove ourselves in the premiership, we'll prove ourselves in the championship as well. Yeah, it's gonna be fantastic for their development. Um, we talk about punishing Saracens by putting them into the into the championship. Maybe it's actually gonna make them stronger in years to come. Um, because those youngsters are going to have some a lot of game time, as you say, and they're going to learn a lot of lessons. Particularly, you know, playing in different places as well, playing against different styles of players. And yeah, I think their talent is going to grow. We've seen it before. A lot of Premiership clubs have um, put players into the Championship. Dan Cole is one off the top of my head who went to was it Bedford or Nottingham, and um, yeah, improved his game a lot and then turned out to be one of the better 
props in the Premiership. I think it could actually work really well, this for Saracens. It definitely could. Let's look at Leicester versus Irish. It was a win, but my goodness, was it a boring win. 13-7. Matt, is that a, a good enough explanation of that game? It just seemed long. Yeah, it was a bit of a... It was hard to watch, I suppose. If you're definitely, if you're a neutral, it, was, it wasn't the most exciting games. It probably came into life a little bit at the end when Irish were um, playing a bit more expansive game towards the end. I I think maybe with that game as well, Tigers they could have taken more. Mm, yeah, they left a lot of um, points on the field. It was uh, uh, at least two maybe three tries overturned with the TMO. Um, one was quite silly with the, I think it was a blocking or crossing, um, as, um, what's his name, Nandolo, uh, crossed the line um, with the, uh, with a knock-on as well. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of, Leicester didn't have much control over that game and that's probably the, the big point that Steve Borthwick will take from that. Definitely. So let's talk about Worcester Harlequins. Now, last, I can't even tell you whether it was last weekend, this week, I don't really know when, but Lawrence Gallio said an extremely good quote that was, if it is a must-win game, clubs will play their stronger players. If it is a can-win game, they'll probably rotate the squad. And I can't think of a more perfect game to sum that up than Worcester Harlequins. Harlequins were nilled at half-time still. It was a phenomenal performance from Worcester. Okay, it wasn't perfect. It had penalties. Every game has had penalties. But the ambition that that squad played with showed that actually we're here and we're here for a long time. Yeah, I think, you know, Worcester needed that performance. Not um, irrelevant on their opponents, really, but Worcester needed that win to get some confidence because obviously they were thrashed by, was it Gloucester, on the opening week. Mm. And then they they played much better against Wasps but probably didn't get what they deserved out of that game. Um, they, I think in the last sort of 20 minutes they dropped off. So they needed a little bit of a confidence booster and a little bit of a, hey, we're still here. We can still fight for maybe top eight if that is a route into Europe. It's been talked about a little bit but um, yeah they're still they're still dangerous they definitely are and a club that didn't look dangerous to finish us off for round 16 was Northampton they lost miserably to Bath three points to 18 that game came to light in the second half in the first half it was very dull and not much happened but towards the 60 minute mark Bark towards the 60 minute mark Bath looked very good. Yeah, that's that's quite a bit of a tongue twist. That is a mouthful. <laughs> um, yeah, Northampton were playing it as if they were three or four scores behind all game. Um, they were really expansive, even from their own 22. It was, I really couldn't understand their game plan, um, to be honest. It was a bit strange. Maybe they're panicking a little bit. Maybe they expected um, at least one win at this point. And uh, that it's obviously not working for them. They're slipping down the table. I just, I can't understand it. They was they were really good in the early part of the season. Maybe the fact that Cobus Reinach has left that their distribution isn't good in the back 
back uh, line is bigger playing well at the minute? Probably not. It's very interesting. They need to find some answers before this afternoon, tomorrow afternoon. Beg your pardon. Now this week, <clears throat> pardon me. This week's fixtures were weird. We had no Friday night rugby. Which, oh, I miss that. Yeah, I sort of went on the TV, went to go press. You know, at seven o'clock. I thought, hang on a second, this doesn't seem right. <laughs> uh, instead, we've got it on Monday. I don't know why. I don't know whether it's because of the bank holiday. Who knows? But in a few hours, Sale versus Bristol mouth-watering game it's got to be both hunting for a top two finish and both putting out very strong squads yeah this is probably the match of the weekend uh in terms of at the top of the table really interesting actually because the week before as we've just spoken about sale played uh much better even though it was a completely different squad and bristol played well but didn't get the win so it's going to be a really interesting match up this and Probably one that could be a semi-final um, in a few weeks' time. Potentially. And <clears throat> I mentioned there that both squads have put out a, a strong team. They have and they haven't. In looking mm. at Bristol, their backs are very good. Their forwards, I would argue, aren't going to match up to sales. Yeah, it's quite... With Bristol, they've kind of got a, a way of playing two different game plans. Um I, I always look at whether Fakas starting or whether he's on the bench, um, because Fakas obviously uh, in the loose is really good, and that's when they want to play quite an attacking game. And when he's on the bench, it's when they're when they're playing quite a um, closed game, like they played against Saracens. So um, I, don't, I don't know is Fakas starting. I can't remember. He's not on either bench. He's or, not on either or bench. No. He's if... played a lot of rugby, to be fair. He has, and he probably needs a break. And so that's the only game we have on a Saturday, which again feels very weird. But tomorrow we've got Harlequins versus Northampton. Both teams need to win. Yeah, again, it's it's a big uh, match in the midfield, in the mid middle of the table. Um, probably bigger uh, for Northampton because just because of where they were before um, the restart. They're just not finding their feet. I don't know what you think is going wrong for them, but yeah, they, they need to sort out the issue now. Well, I think a lot of teams at the moment need to sort out a lot of issues now <laughs> uh, before November. But they've they've got. I mean, Northampton have probably got more to play for than Harlequins at this mm. point, so it will be interesting. They are slipping down the table. I mean, they are. The even the top six alarm bells are ringing at the minute which we didn't expect coming at all. But let's look at Exeter-Worcester. Now, big question, is it going to be an easy walk for Exeter? Or, given Worcester's recent success, are they going to hold quite a bit of a fight? Was it was it this game that Worcester beat Exeter last year or something? Was I believe so. Probably is, maybe it was like 5-0. <laughs> Strange. <laughs> um, yeah, I can only see Exeter winning this. They are playing really well at the minute. And as we said... It's not just the first team that are playing well, Exeter seconds are playing well and they'll just stick to what they know and what, what they believe in as they move towards that European quarter-final as well. Uh, that's probably uh, something they're working towards. I know they want to target Europe. They're pretty clear at the top of the league now as well, but I, I still expect them to beat Worcester. Definitely so. And I think the game of the weekend has to be Gloucester versus Tigers. Who knows what could happen there? 
both clubs desperately need a win. Tigers, they've sort of gone with a B-plus team, I would say. Uh, Gloucester, though, they've got some bigger names, one of which, Johnny May, he will play against his former club, with his former club. Um, But let's look at the team sheets there. I mean, Gloucester, you'd say, are a lot more powerful on paper. Yeah, 100%. That back line, even though I think it's Lurie Samet missing. Yeah. Um, even without him, there's still a lot of pace in that back line with distributions from Cipriani and 12 Trees. Um, there's a lot of ex-Tigers in that squad. Um, not <laughs> just is, actually. Johnny May. Obviously, the coach as well, George Givington, uh, used to play for Leicester. But... Um, it's going to be an interesting game. Leicester, if they are, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 points behind with 20 minutes to go, they've got Ford, Youngs and Taufua that they can call upon. Uh, it's a Tigers team that's capable of um, causing an upset, but I don't think they will. I agree with that statement. And interestingly there, you mentioned the bench. Tigers have sort of gone with more experience whereas Gloucester have opted with the youngsters that are making a big a big name for themselves at the moment. Jack Clement, Stephen Varney, Tom Seabrook, Lloyd Evans. Um, I mean, Stephen Varney's done fantastic at Scrum Half when he's come on and really exciting prospect. And Tom Seabrook, he is a very big winger. He reminds me of sort of almost, the, he's very strong in mm-hmm. in his defence as well as very quick. So he offers something a little bit like Ollie Thorley does for them. Yeah, and it's important to have somebody like that, particularly on the bench, because obviously Johnny May um, and the other wingers at Gloucester are really fast and attacking. But it's also good to have a little a little change if you need it, um, a bit more power potentially, like you, like you said there. But um, yeah, Jordan Murphy keeps denying the fact that um, they're not paying much attention to the heat. European quarterfinal and that they're taking it one game at a time but I think Leicester are really preparing for that trying to get the players fit at the right time and that's maybe why we're they're wanting to get a little bit more mileage in Youngs and Ford. That's a very very good point. Monday we've got London Irish Saracens and Bath Wasps no team sheets yet but I mentioned Gloucester Leicester being the game there's game of the weekend but easily Irish Saracens could because if Saracens put out a young side like they have been doing and Irish put out their best squad it could be tasty it could and the lack of um, team sheet at the minute is really annoying because of my fantasy team it's hard to work out who's (laughs) playing Um, but yeah London Irish Saracens it's an interesting game Um, because they're two teams in completely different worlds at the minute. But maybe if Saracens decide to rest it and Irish target it, then maybe that's that could be a shock. It's what this period of rugby is providing because of the rotation in the in the teams. It could be very, very good. And Bath versus Wasps on Monday night. Who are we fancying for that game? I'm going to draw. Oh. We're due for a draw. Um a good draw that, that's a yeah yeah I think we drew for, uh, drew for one we're due for one uh, due for a draw due uh, for a draw I think this is the one because Bath are playing really well but I think Wasps will be much improved after that game last week uh, I don't think they'll rest here I think they'll, they'll 
potentially rotate a couple, but so this would be one they'll target, I'm pretty sure, for that top four. Definitely so. It's all about taking points off, off your rivals as well. Um, Indeed. As it, much as you want to get points, you don't want your competitors to get any. Yeah, it's like the, the classic eight-point swing or ten-point swing, whatever you want to call it. Definitely so. Now, that's the rugby covered for this week, last week, and half of last week. I don't know. Yeah, yeah that sounds about right. Yeah, um, I agree with that. But another talking point that has come out of rugby this week that is slightly... Um, I don't know how to phrase this because I say it's unusual, but unfortunately it's not. So there was a tweet that received a lot of attention how the kit launch for Irish rugby came out and Irish male players were modelling their kit, but a group of female models were modelling the women's kit. And it caused, quite rightly so, a lot of upset because this shouldn't happen. Quite frankly, it's a joke and this is just, it shouldn't happen. And Canterbury replied and said that due to COVID, the women's jersey samples were halted in production pushing back the women's shoot. Keep an eye out in the coming weeks for the official women's jersey launch. We're too excited not to show you this preview on launch day. Now that's all fine, but my sort of point is that if you can get three models in very quickly, you can very easily Photoshop a, a shirt onto a female player if needed, or you could just halter it if it's been halted anyway so they sort of defended themselves there then they came out with a tweet saying that at Canterbury we believe rugby is a game for everybody 25% of those who play the game are female for far too long their voices haven't been heard we want to tackle this head-on and level the playing field hashtag I am enough now this hashtag's been seen a lot across social media this week which is fantastic because it is female players saying that we are enough however the thing that I struggle with is I feel that this is a cover-up for Canterbury, who are basically just covering their tracks because they realise that they've done something wrong. And they had a statement and they say that we'll put our hands up if we get something wrong. And we have. What's your take on it, Matt? Because I'm very much at the point that they've done something wrong and they're trying to you know, make, us, make a campaign out of their mistake. And this campaign shouldn't come from a mistake. It should come from female players feeling empowered and that they're on a level playing field full stop. Yeah, it's completely wrong. I mean, it's not something that's... It's a real backward step, actually, because Worcester, Saracens and I think I think Harlequins do it as well. When they launch their kits, they've got female players um, in the kits. So it's not something that hasn't happened before, if that, if that makes sense. Uh, what really stood out to me is... That um, they, they were pushing it back, uh, the official women's jersey launching for a couple of weeks. Well, if that, that's all right, fair enough, but maybe they could have just holded the whole thing. Ireland aren't playing anytime soon, are they? Um, so maybe maybe they could have just delayed the whole thing and waited, so they could get it right. If that was the case, uh, that's what I would have. I would have thought if I was from them because obviously you just want to you want to do what you do the best what you can in in that situation and just sticking those models on is a little bit of a cop-out isn't it I think 
I think you're right. For a matter of 14 days, mm. you know, we're not in international season. The shirt pressing isn't, you know, and going to sale isn't that, you know, it's not something that everybody is hanging on for. And well, a lot of things have been delayed due to COVID. And exactly. I'm sure people would could happily wait an extra two weeks for a, a shirt that... <laughs> In, it can be more like island I mean, I just don't understand it because you look at male players and you say, look, they're, they're inspiration for young boys that want to play rugby. But these women are inspirational for girls that want to play rugby too. So don't, you know, I just... The, the women's game is, is growing rapidly as well. Um, it's not as if... We're, we're 10 years ago and not many people watch it. A lot of people watch the World Cup and um, obviously you've got the, is it the, it's not the Tyrrells anymore, is it? It's the something, some Premier League um, 15s, is it called? Something like that? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, where you've got, I think, Harlequins and Worcester have got a squad, Saracens have got a squad in there. Um, so yeah, it, it's growing. It's and They want to I would have thought for Irish rugby, they'd want to show showcase their players off because they want to get more women's players coming through the roots. And that's one way to do it. And yeah, it's a, an opportunity missed. I think it's a huge opportunity missed. But as Canterbury have said, they've held their hands up. They know that they're wrong. And hopefully this will never happen again because it should never have happened in the first place. No, absolutely not. It's, yeah, it's silly, really. It's horrible. What a cheery note to end on. Yeah, we've got rugby. <laughs> we've got rugby back, though, and it's starting in about two and a half hours' time. So, Matt, I'm going to let you go. Go get some lunch and enjoy Sail Bristol. Yes, thank you. I will see you next week.